glad you chose to hang out with us today, and uh, glad all of you are here as well. When I was uh, six years old, uh, I went down to my best friend's house, Jeff Alderson, and we did what we did every uh, day during the summer, and we went ahead and we played baseball. He was always the pitcher and I was the catcher. And on this particular day, he was really excited to share with me a new pitch that he had learned, which was the curveball. And basically what a curveball is, is the batter's up like this. And as the pitch comes down, it looks like it's going to hit the batter. But at the last second, it actually curves right over the plate. And so he said, Chris, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to take your mitt and place it right in the middle of your body, but don't move your mitt because the ball's going to look like it's going to come this way and hit you, but it's not. It'll curve and it'll drop right in the middle of your glove. And so I trusted him and he said, trust me on this, Chris. And so I loved him. I trusted him. So I got in my catcher position And the ball came, and guess what happened? It never curved. It actually hit me right here in my eye. Blood started to gush out. I was rushed to the emergency room where I got stitches. And do you know what I learned about that day? Never trust a 10-year-old. Never. I mean, I love Jeff. He said, trust me. And I got the stitches. You know, I don't know why it is, but sometimes it's really hard for me to understand love. Uh, Sometimes people will tell me, trust me, and I will trust them. And then I think it's a person that I love who would never break my trust. And then they betray me. Or they burn me, or I get confused. Have you ever trusted someone that you loved and they let you down? Have you ever trusted someone that you loved and they hurt you? Have you ever trusted someone that you loved and they burnt you big time? You see, over the past four weeks, we've been looking at Uh, this passage of scripture in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, which is considered the love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. And it's written by this guy named Paul who wrote close to half of the New Testament. And he planted this church, he started this church called Corinth, and he starts hearing that the one thing that is not happening in this particular church is love. That love is not taking place. Now, what is taking place is sexual sin and pride and arrogance and all of that kind of thing. But there was not love. There was idolatry. There were all of these different issues taking place, but there wasn't love. Love was not to be found. And so Paul writes to the church and he calls them out for not doing this and he calls them to a life of love. In chapter 13, it's not simply that Paul's asking for them to have a behavioral modification. 
He's actually looking for them to have an internal shift with their mind and their heart and their spirit where they will really understand the deep love of God so that because of that, then their behavior changes as a result. And in verse 7, Paul says this, Love always protects, always trusts, there's that word, love always hopes, always perseveres. Now here, what Paul is talking about is he's being crystal clear that God's love is always trustworthy. And what he's trying to get us to understand is what love is all about in this chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. And the first thing that he says is love is supreme. That's your first fill-in. For those of you that are on the stream, uh, you can do it on your app. Love is supreme. That's the learning he wants us to get. Now, uh, we need to understand God's character and nature that his character really is one in which he is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's holy. He is set apart out of everything else in creation. And yet all of those, although important, are not the center of who God is. At the core of who God is, the essence of his DNA is love. And everything emanates from God comes from that place, from a place of love. Now, some of you might be on the stream right now sitting there, and some of you are sitting here today, and you're thinking to yourself, well, there's no way that God could love me. I mean, Chris, if you only know what I did several years ago or a few months ago or just last night, if you knew what I thought, if you knew some of the things that I've said to other people, there's no way that God could love me. Again, folks, God's love is not based upon your behavior. His love is based upon his nature. And scripture says that his nature is God is love. So when you succeed and you do really, really great, God says, I love you. When you fail, and when you totally mess up big time, what God says is, I love you. When you have faith that moves mountains and it's amazing and you're all into God, God says, I love you. And when you doubt God and you're not into him and you're not so sure, God still says, I love you. Love is the answer for everything because God is Love, and he will never, ever leave you. So, he continues on by talking about that love is supreme by saying these words. Love never ends. As for gift of prophecies, those who have the gift of prophecy, he says, they will pass away. As for the gift of tongues, they will cease. As for the gift of knowledge, it will pass away. For we know right now in part, and we prophesy in part. In other words, folks, if we took all of the gifts that were in this auditorium, if we took all of the gifts that were on the stream, all of the spiritual gifts that are present, we only see a glimpse of them. But... It says, when the perfect comes, 
In other words, when God comes, when we understand his perfect love, the partial will pass away. And we will be left with what is most important of all, and that is God's love. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, started my day by leading our staff meeting, and then I had a creative team meeting that kind of focuses on what we do on Sunday. And then I prayed with a guy, and I did some counseling uh, with a young couple that's getting married, and then I worked on my teaching, and I was utilizing all of the gifts that God has given to me, my gift of leadership, my gift of teaching, my gift of encouragement. And all of that was going great. But the thing that I will remember most about that day is that I was driving in my car after lunch when I noticed a person who was homeless on the side of the road with a sign. And I pulled over and I went to go reach out to him. Now, I don't do this all the time, uh, but on this particular time, I did. And I pulled into a gas station, and his back was to me, and so I walked up behind him, and as I did, I kind of startled him a little bit. And he kind of looked around, and I go, hi, my name's Chris, and one thing that I always try to do with people who are homeless is I try to have some level of appropriate touch, because so much of their life, they're never touched, they're pushed aside. And so I shook his hand, and he said, hey, my name's Albert, and we started to have this conversation, and I learned that he wasn't from this particular area. And so I had a $25 uh, Subway gift card that someone in the church had actually given me uh, for my birthday, and I said, hey, I wanted to give this to you. And he said, well, I don't know where a subway is. And we were real close to one. I said, well, it's right there. And he goes, oh, yeah, now, now I see it. And I spent some time with prayer with him. And then I got back in my car and I went away. Folks, it was five minutes at the most. But what I was so struck by was how that particular interaction was much more meaningful compared to everything else that I was doing during the day when I was in the sweet spot of the gifts that God has given me. You see, God gave to me in that moment a glimpse of the power of His love. He wasn't so concerned about me uh, utilizing all the gifts of leadership and encouragement and teaching, but in that moment... He showed me the power of his love. It's not necessarily because I'm exceedingly loving, because I'm not. It's not because I'm necessarily exceedingly generous, because I'm not. But every time that you and I do one small act of love, it fills our spirit. And it was in that moment as if God was like, removing the gifts and saying, this is the gift that I want you to see the most, Chris, because it's most important. And that five moments with Albert that I had in that day, I know brought more glory to God in those five minutes than the rest of the time that I was using my own gifts because I stepped out in God's love. 
Folks, nothing in this world compares to witnessing and experiencing the power of love in action. And Paul is reminding us desperately in this chapter that love is not what is remaining when everything else, or love is what is remaining when everything else goes away. When everything that you care about is out the window, the thing that is most important is love. When everything else is gone, love remains. So, love is supreme. The, thick, the second thing that Paul wants us to understand in 1 Corinthians 13 is love is personal. Love is personal. Something happens in this next verse, in verse 11, that is very unique. And it shows us this point that love is personal. Paul says this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up... My childish ways. Now, why are these verses so important? Well, here is the first time in this passage that Paul goes to the first person plural. So we've got to come here to English class. Some of you thought after high school you never had to deal with it, okay? The first person plural. In other words, Paul changes from saying Do you understand what spiritual gifts are in chapter 12 to do you understand what love is in most of chapter 13? But he moves away now from saying, do you understand? And now he says, let me tell you about I. He moves from you to I. It's like Paul's little secret that he's trying to tell us. Let me show you my before and my after picture. Let me remind you what I understood about love at one time, and then let me remind you what kind of person I have become. You see, uh, before Paul came to Christ, he persecuted Christians. He actually would round up men and women off the streets who proclaimed Christ, and they would be thrown into jail. And then he took great pride in having murderous threats towards Christians, seeing them stoned to death, seeing some of them burn at the stake, seeing their life taken away from him. He was a very shadowy kind of individual. He was, you know, the dark person of the story of Christianity. And then... He shares these words in 1 Corinthians 13 about love. And the question becomes, what changed? Like, what happened? And what happened, folks, is he met Jesus. You can read about this yourself if you want in Acts chapter 8. You can write it down if you want or read it later on. But in Acts chapter 8, we learn about him persecuting these Christians. And then he's walking down this road. And as he's walking down this road, he hears the audible voice of Jesus ask him a question. Why are you persecuting me? And Paul's like, whoa, did anybody else hear that? And the rest of them are like, we don't know what you're talking about. And he becomes blinded. 
and his heart became, becomes transformed by the love of Jesus. And then in that moment, he gives his entire life away to the cause of Christ. And he takes the good news of Jesus from where it was just in Israel to the rest of the world. You and I don't learn about Jesus unless it's about Paul, unless Paul doesn't come around. And he goes ahead and he writes close to half of the New Testament. And the true sense of a follower is, are they willing to give their life? And at the end of his life, he actually allows himself to be beheaded because of his love. For Christ. So, what changes a person from actually persecuting people who are Christians to actually being the person who had the greatest impact on Christianity outside of Jesus himself in the world? Like, what does that? And it's one word, folks. And what's the word? Love. He learned about love. And he goes from Acts 8 to 1 Corinthians 13. And the power of love changes his whole perspective. You see, the love of Christ to Paul was not just some theory. It wasn't just something that he did on Sunday. The love of Christ and Christianity wasn't something that he just thought was a good philosophical thing to do, but it was personal to him. It wasn't just about the supreme leadership of Jesus. It was a personal change in his life, and it utterly changed everything for him. I mean, when you think about Paul's life in Acts 8, and then it comes to 1 Corinthians 13, what you witness, folks, is what is possible when someone surrenders everything they have to the earth-shattering, soul-changing love of Christ. And then Paul goes on to say, this love that I'm asking you to follow, it's not just supreme and has the greatest value that this world knows. It's not just personal and transformative like it did for my life. But then he goes on and says, love is eternal. Love is eternal. It never, ever ends. You know, the one thing that's going to go on to eternity, folks, is love. And you and I have the ability to practice it while we're here on earth. You and I have the opportunity to actually practice that kind of love. Now, some of you may be on the stream right now or you're sitting there and you're like, I understand God's love. I do. I've experienced it. I understand God's love. Guess what? No, you don't. You don't. Whatever you think you know doesn't even scratch the surface to the ultimate power of His love. But the good news is we get to practice it for the rest of our life until we come to heaven. And the way we do that is by humbling ourselves, first of all, to realize we have a long way to go to actually understanding and practicing the love of God. I mean, on my best days, folks, it's five minutes with Albert. And 
God does this all the time to billions of people every day because the essence of who he is is love and it's eternal. In verse 13, Paul goes on to say uh, these words at the end of the chapter. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. In other words, he's saying, hey guys, these are the most important things in Christianity. Faith, hope, and love. These are the values. These are the virtues. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Uh, Just so you understand, the greatest of all of those is what again? It's love. All you need is love. All you need is love, love. Right? All you need is love. And yet many times, this is what we do. We want to shrink God's love down to the people that we want to love. The people who look like us, the people who think like us, the people who vote like us, the people who are nice to us, the people who we feel comfortable around us. That's who we limit our love to. We shrink down God's love to that. Now, my senior year in high school, uh, there was this great movie that came out. Some of you might remember it. It was called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And uh, for those of you who are, uh, you know, in your 30s, Google it or under. And uh, you should watch the movie, though. It's a really good movie. And uh, the whole premise was basically that there was this mom and this dad who had normal-sized kids. And then the dad, who was a scientist, kind of has a science experiment go rogue and all the kids end up being shrunk down to the size that they could be on a spoon. Now, some of you parents right now are thinking, I could go for that, you know? Like, that would not be an issue whatsoever for me uh, to be able to do that. Now, here's my point, folks. That for many of us, Although you may be a follower of Christ, or if you're not, that's okay too. But when we think about love, what we do is we shrink it down to the minimal amount. We shrink it down to the minimal amount. For many of us, we've shrunk down the importance of love in our lives. We have reduced its size. We have reduced its importance in our life. I mean, you can go weeks Without food, you can go days without water, you can go seconds without air, but you can't go a a day, a moment, a second without love. You die without love. Love is the thing that you and I cannot live without, and we need it for our lives both in giving it away and also in receiving it. About a year ago, you might remember I did an illustration with a bucket and a thimble. And uh, some of you are like, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. It was COVID, right? And some of you were in another uh, place. But I did this illustration on judgment. And I was talking about judgment that Jesus said, don't judge other people unless you want to be judged by the same measure. And so I said that if you want to 
judge, are you going to judge people with a thimble size of judgment or a bucket size? But however you judge other people, that's how you'll be judged. And as I was working on this series, I got to the end. I was like, I got to use that illustration again because I didn't use the right subject on it. You see, when you talk about a thimble and a bucket, what I don't want to talk about is judgment, but I want to talk about love. Do you want to give a thimble of love away? Or do you want to give a bucket of love away? Because the choice really is up to you. What is it going to be? Again, uh, Paul says there are three big things in Christianity. These are the big three. He says faith, hope, and love. And then just to make sure that there's no confusion for the rest of eternity, he says, I want you to know the greatest of these, though, is love. Let's be clear. He says, the greatest of these is love. You know, when you become a Christ follower, one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is to grow your capacity to love. And the truth is, some of us start with a a thimble-sized capacity to love. You weren't loved very much by your parents. Maybe you went through a divorce and you weren't loved by your spouse. And you start there. But God says, I want to grow you. I want to grow your capacity of love. And then he says, eventually, uh, you'll be able to get to a bucket. You'll be able to, to love in deeper ways. And for some of you, he says, I want you to grow even beyond that. And he says, I'm going to grow to a barrel-sized area of love. And some of you are growing in your faith so much that the amount of love that's in a barrel cannot keep you. And so he says, I can grow you to a swimming pool capacity of love. And some of you... The reason that you can love at a swimming pool size is because you can love people who are different than you. You can love your enemies. You can even love people who hurt you because that's what love does. That is what love is. So, my question for you is this. If you had to make a decision right now... What is your capacity to love? Is it a thimble? Is it a bucket? Is it a barrel? Or is it a swimming pool? And so before we close, wherever you're at, one way that you can grow in that is a practical way. And it's the big thing that I want to give to you today. It's something that you can give to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your coworkers. And it's this. The way you grow in your love is you value other people above yourself. You actually choose to value other people above yourself. I mean, if you want to go from a thimble size to a swimming pool size capacity of love, you must value other people Above yourself. Scripture actually says this. 
Love values others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. You know, I kind of wonder what would happen this week if each one of us raised our value of other people. What if we raised the value of every other person that you interacted with? The person at the gas station, the person at the grocery store, the person at the fast food stand, your boss, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, your friends. Like what would happen if you increased their value by putting them above yourself? Well, I'll tell you what would happen. What would happen is that every person that you encountered, their spirit would be lifted up because of you, because that's what love does. You know, our entire life here on earth is about preparing us to know how to love for all of eternity. Because the truth is, love is eternal. And the way that we experience a touch of heaven, the way that you can experience a touch of heaven is by practicing a type of love that values others above yourself. Now, right now, what I'd like us all to do is we're going to bring the lights down here. And for those of you that are on the stream, I'd like you to kind of sit up. Get If you've fallen asleep, you know, wake up. They tell me never to clap, but I just did and screwed it all up, so I'm sorry. Um, but hopefully it did wake you up. What I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to take your hands and simply place them on uh, your lap. So put away whatever you have. Uh, your phone, whatever, and just place your hands uh, on your lap here. And what I'd like you to do here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and uh, to open yourself up to God as much as you can. And if there's any anxiety, if there's any stress, if there's any frustration, if you start thinking about your electric bill or uh, you start thinking about something else, I just want you to push that away, push down the palms of your hands, push them down on your lap. Uh, this is an ancient Christian prayer technique called palms down, palms up. And so whatever the distraction is, you're going to push down on that until finally you have a point where you're not really thinking about anything that makes you anxious or overwhelmed or anything else. And in that moment, you'll simply put your palms up and say, God, I'm ready to receive whatever it is that you want me to receive. And what he wants you to receive today, folks, is his love. He wants you to have a touch of heaven. Just a, just a touch of heaven, just between you and him, for you to receive his love so that you can give it away. So right now, I'd like all of you, go ahead, close your eyes. Place your palms down. Remove any anxiety, any distraction, any worry that you have. And whenever you're done with that, you can just lift your palms up and receive God's love 
fully into your presence. Holy Spirit, come, love on people so that they could experience a touch of heaven today.
touch of heaven today of your love freely given to us help us to know how to love other people the way that you love us remind us God that love is patient love is kind love is not envious it is not irritable it keeps no record of wrongs but true love it always trusts it always hopes it always perseveres because your love never ends Help us to love others, God, the way that you love us and to value others above ourselves. Now, the reality is I have a feeling that some of you have never fully accepted the love of God. But today he wants to give that to you, but you're hesitant because you think to yourself, well, there's things in my past, there's things I've said, there's things I've done. There's no way that God could love me. He loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to go to a cross and die for you. And three days later to rise again so that you would never have to walk this road called life alone. And not just here on earth, but in heaven as well. That you'll always be in the presence of God. And he looks to you today. And he says, will you receive my love 
this touch of heaven. And maybe for some of you, it's like, hey, I've done that. But man, today, there's something that's stirring within my spirit. That I want more of his love. I want to look more like him and less like me. And so today, if you're ready to receive his love, if you're ready to receive his grace, if you're ready to receive his forgiveness, if you're ready for a new start where you give your life completely to him, I want to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's a prayer that we pray together. And I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. I know your love never ends. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray.